Here's Papa is brought to you by Just Some Podcast Media. Dun, da, da, da. The views on this podcast are those solely of the host and do not represent the views or opinions of any other institution. <laughs> this episode is sponsored by Echo. Hear clearly, care confidently. Learn more at echohealth.com. That's E K O health.com. And use code PAPA for 10% off the stethoscope of your choice. Welcome to Nurse Papa, a podcast from the heart and mind of a pediatric oncology nurse and father. In each episode, I take a deep dive into a story of parenthood, or I tackle a parenting question from one of my loyal listeners in a segment called Dear Nurse Papa. In either case, I hope to come out on the other side with a better understanding of what makes kids and their parents tick. Before we get to this week's story, I'd like to give a Nurse Papa shout-out to the most recent review of the Nurse Papa book or podcast. This week's lucky reviewer is my older brother, Keith. I don't know why it took him so long, but he finally did it, and for that, I'm grateful. Here you go, Uncle Keith. This is your shout-out. Thanks, Uncle Keith. Thanks for reviewing the podcast. Thanks for playing with me, Uncle Keith. We'll see you soon, Uncle Keith. Bye! If you're out there right now and thinking to yourself, gee, I'd like a shout out just like that, take a moment to review Nurse Papa the Book on Amazon or Nurse Papa the Podcast on Apple Podcasts. If you do, my son might even do his famous dolphin laugh for you. <laughs> and now, a word from my sponsor a company that is helping nurses and doctors hear better. When I listen to little hearts and lungs at work, I use my 3M Litman Core digital stethoscope powered with advanced echo core technology. With the press of a button, the sounds I hear can be enhanced 40 times from this to this. Learn more at echohealth.com. That's EKOHealth.com. And use code PAPA for 10% off the stethoscope of your choice. And now, this week's story. The Tooth Fairy and All the Lies We Tell Our Children. For me, parenting is the ultimate act of faith. Faith that not only am I making the right choices for my kids, but that those choices will result in a happy and healthy child. I realize that this is a very ambitious goal. What kids need is not often what they want, and what they want is usually not what they need. Despite this fact, and the forever dripping spigot of hope that imbues virtually all my good and bad parental decisions, I admit that many of the moves which manifest from my dad hip are at times slightly questionable. Questionable, because parenthood is an unruly and raucous circus. It is a veritable carnival in which I will forever be that acrobat, high up on the tightrope, just trying to keep my balance, just hoping not to plunge to the ground below. And when that courageous and death-defying role of the acrobat is taken by another more capable athlete, I am relegated to the role of the bumbling clown, mute but horn honking. (laughs) 
tripping over my gigantic shoes, hiding my tears, but always going for that laugh. <laughs> always holding out for that smile that will make everything alright, that will make me feel alright too. And when I'm not playing the role of the clown, I become the seller of snake oil, the conniving barker of hope and impossible dreams which my kids take in like mana from heaven, because like me, they're dreamers too. Come one, come all, gather around, ladies and gents, boys and girls, and prepare to be amazed. You may think that what you are about to witness is a trick of the eye, or perhaps a sly of the hand, but I guarantee you that the miracle is real. And sometimes, the miracle is real. There are many moments in which I am fully surprised by the effectiveness of some of my more ad hoc and ad lib dad solutions. I've completed complicated limb repairs on articulated Barbie dolls with nothing more than a hair tie, a pair of tweezers, and a bit of hope at my disposal. I have made a bloody and stubbed toe well again with a quick application of cold beer, retrieved from the fridge by the unfortunate wounded child. I have even devised a relatively foolproof algorithm to calm my son's night terrors, which have at times stretched on for hours. We were warned by the internet, and my mom, to never wake a child in the middle of a night tear. I'm not sure what happens if you do wake them up. Maybe their brain explodes. Maybe they drift off into their nightmares and never return to waking life again. I don't know. But as my fully asleep boy writhes and screams upon the bed like some aging hippie and during a bad shroom trip, I calmly recite a list of his favorite Star Wars characters. And as I make my way down that list starting with Luke and always ending with Jabba the Hutt, my son's breathing slows. His flailing ceases. Whatever existential demons he is subconsciously dueling with slowly subside. By the time I make it to the mighty Chewbacca, my son is usually fast asleep. And once again, all is right with the Force. But for each moment when a solution to a problem of parenthood is in my grasp, there are many more moments when I am completely baffled. Moreover, I have lost count of the times in which I have somehow managed to make matters much, much worse. More often than not, though, the results are quite mixed. Some good, some bad, some in which time will certainly tell. And so it was with my daughter's tooth fairy. Most of her life details were a figment of my verdant parental imagination. Her name was Nikita. I had no conscious intention of fabricating what would become Nikita's extensive biography and vivid personality into existence. She simply appeared in my mind one morning, partially formed, in the same way that so many other fanciful creations have often come to me before I've had my coffee. That there would be a tooth fairy in my kid's tooth-losing life, doing her fairy job, collecting those kid teeth, and leaving reasonable compensation for that otherwise worthless dentition was a given. I have vague yet quite pleasant boyhood memories of shiny quarters left under my pillow in place of small boy teeth. They were good memories for sure, but not notable for any fuzzy feelings of magic or mystery. I simply expected payment for my bodily product. It was very much an economic transaction between me and the fairy, much like my bar mitzvah, the other cash cow of my younger years. Except rather than a small, mystical creature with wings, my bar mitzvah was a transaction between myself and a hypothetical god. I spent hundreds of hours studying long paragraphs of ancient Hebrew texts to finally become a man. 
In comparison to that linguistically crooning challenge, the tooth exchange was quite straightforward and undemanding. The only drawback was that my supply of baby teeth was limited, whereas God was supposedly quite expansive and never-ending. But this bit of tricky deism is best left to another, much more heady podcast. Stay tuned for that. I don't recall the gender of my tooth fairy when I was a kid, but I assume she was a girl because that would have been a more appropriate fairy designation for the early 80s. Men did not typically collect teeth in that era. That kind of crossover role did not become popular until 2010 when Dwayne The Rock Johnson made a hip for guys to have wings by starring as a tooth fairy in a major motion picture. I'm the tooth fairy. Oh yeah. In any case, back then, my personal tooth fairy lacked a discernible personality, an interesting background, or even a fun, whimsical name like Nikita. No problem. As long as those shiny quarters continue to replace my dull, useless baby teeth, this sort of transactional anonymity suited me just fine. But once I became a dad myself, I envisioned an entirely different experience for my two kids. A magical experience. For most of us, there is a super narrow window of time in which we are still able to believe in the unbelievable. The belief that the world is a wholesome and good place and that most of the humans which inhabit it are innately good too. The belief that evil does indeed exist, there are things which will sting, hurt, and even maim, but that its darkest impulses are somehow kept in check by the greater forces of good. The belief that magical creatures not only navigate our realm unseen, but are pulling the invisible levers which guide our greater destinies. Why do I feel the need to construct a fantastical world for my kids? Knowing well that when the fabrication is inevitably exposed, I risk their disillusionment and resentment. Well, it's complicated. I'm a storyteller by nature, a purveyor of exaggeration. My love language is the laughs, smiles, and wide eyes of those who are patient or bored enough to listen. Elevating the mundane to something more shiny and amazing makes me feel alive and purposeful. I hate to admit it, but I think my stories might serve me just as much or more than they serve my kids. They are a way for me to break up the often tedious job of raising small humans. They are a path for me to discover some kind of magic in this world too. Whatever the motivation, my daughter's first loose tooth was the perfect milestone for my wife and I to flex our magic-making muscles. And flex them we did. When that tiny tooth finally fell out of her cute little mouth, we both heartily encouraged that classic tooth fairy myth and our fairy-struck daughter came right along for the ride. From the moment she discovered those first two crisp $1 bills under her pillow, she was fascinated by the life of her mysterious nighttime visitor. Where does Nikita come from? What does she look like? How does she sneak into my room without me seeing her? What does she do with all those teeth anyway? Good questions, sweetie, I responded casually. But my frenetic brain had already begun to spin the creative lies which I was about to tell my daughter. She would eventually learn through her pillow correspondence that Nikita hails from the Urals, a rugged mountain range that runs 1500 miles north to south through western Russia. It is in this bucolic yet treacherous landscape where Nikita was born, raised, and acquired most of her tooth fairy skills. Although she was the youngest of eight fairy children, she was the most naturally skilled in the ancient art of toothery. 
and was thus chosen by her wise fairy parents to advance to the Tooth Academy, above her older siblings who would most likely become fairy plumbers and fairy welders. The Academy is a crowded and competitive space. I told her, only the most accomplished fairies make it there. I told her that Nikita travels all over the world collecting the most special teeth, and my daughter's eyes widened to match the new gap in her mouth. At first, the letters our daughter left under her pillow were relatively straightforward and utilitarian. She wanted her payment and some basic biographical information from Nikita. Dear Nikita, I have lost my tooth. I would like $5, a Barbie doll, and a picture of you. And in turn, Nikita wrote back. Dear Sibby, I'm so excited to get your tooth. I will clean it and send it into the sky to help build our fairy castles and houses. I saw that you wanted a picture of me, so I made you a drawing of me carrying your tooth. It's a lovely strong tooth, just like yourself. Keep taking care of your teeth, eat well, brush, and floss. I'm very shy, and I don't like to be seen, but maybe one day you will catch me. Here is $2 for your tooth. I didn't know what kind of doll you wanted, so here is a coupon. Your parents can use it to get you exactly what you want. Love, Nikita. I'm not sure if the average tooth fairy makes a practice of writing elaborate letters to the kids whose teeth they procure, but Nikita sure as hell did. The notes she left under my daughter's pillow were equal parts sweet, sassy, and pedantic. Her personality was an interesting amalgam of my wife and I too. Nikita usually undersold my daughter for her teeth though. If she requested $5, she usually got two or three, and was always subject to suggestions of good mouth hygiene as well. The letters were written by my wife, whose beautiful script looked strikingly similar to how a tooth fairy's writing should appear. I refrained from writing because my script resembles that of a serial killer. I was in charge of drawings and I was also the co-creative director alongside my wife. Over the next six months, my daughter's baby teeth loosened and fell out in quick succession. There were many more notes to and from Nikita and the details of her tooth fairy life grew more numerous and fantastic. My daughter learned that Nikita's skin and hair changes color depending on her mood. When she is mad or embarrassed, it turns red. When she is sad, it's blue. Usually when on the job though, her bangs were a bright green color and her skin a neon orange hue. Our daughter also discovered that Nikita's tooth fairy powers would unfortunately fade if she was seen by a human. This news was both exciting and confusing, because as much as my daughter craved to see Nikita face to face one day, she was equally afraid to harm or destroy her magic. The whole situation began to feel confusing to us parents as well. At the time, my daughter was just learning to read and she was unable to write. With each lost tooth, she would cheerily dictate her nuanced letters to Nikita for us to transcribe. This put us in the super strange situation of responding to the letters which we had just written, which we then had to read back to our daughter the next day. It all began to feel a bit heavy-handed and contrived. We began to wonder if the ruse was still serving her. That the Tooth Fairy was merely a figment of our parental imagination was self-evident to us, but this wasn't the whole truth for our daughter. Once our creative lies became part of her accepted worldview, they became her truth to do what she wanted with. She relished in the details which we had fabricated and she built worlds of her own from them. It became a bit of an obsession for her. 
She devised a grand scheme to spy on Nikita despite the consequences of such an act. She even ambitiously designed a device to capture Santa Claus too, and drew precise diagrams detailing how it would work. Soon, no magical visitor of the night would be safe in our home. Ho ho ho! Merry Christmas! In a sense, we had created a monster. Well, a fairy actually, upon which we no longer had any real control. And with each tooth that exited our daughter's mouth, her relationship with Nikita got messier and more human. Even though we had come to doubt both the morality and utility of our Tooth Fairy letter writing campaign, we lacked a clear exit strategy. Short of coming clean, our only viable option was to wait for the day when our daughter simply had no more baby teeth left to lose. But then, something entirely predictable occurred. Our daughter discovered the truth. We had failed to secure the vital evidence which revealed our deceit. Our quasi-detective daughter's first damning discovery was our secret stash of her baby teeth. She had been rooting through my desk, looking for God knows what, when she came upon them. Now, it is conceivable that I might have been able to explain away this illicit collection and carry the lie even further, but I had neither the heart nor the opportunity. Unfortunately, the teeth were conveniently paired for posterity with all the letters that our daughter and Nikita had exchanged. Oh no! Oh yes. But the most damning piece of evidence by far though, was the most recent letter Nikita had written. There was a fatal flaw. My wife had fallen asleep on the couch that night, so I stepped in as head writer. My blocky and frightfully legible handwriting revealed the tooth fairy farce. My daughter's discovery had destroyed her delicate suspension of disbelief and she now understood the situation for what it was. A lie. Papa wrote this letter! She yelled at her mom in a surprisingly teenage-like voice. There was a glint of defiant fire in her one eye which was not covered by her long bangs. She stormed out of the room crying. Now there was no way forward but the truth. Or so I thought. When I came home from work that night, she was crying in her bed. I knew she was waiting for me, and I began to cry too as I took her into my arms. My own failure and the need to comfort her was all I felt. Tell me how you're feeling, love, I whispered. I'm hot and I'm mad. Which I took to mean that she was both embarrassed and pissed at the same time. I'm sorry, I told her. Your mama and I were just trying to make some magic for you. We didn't mean to hurt you. I refrained from adding that we also did not mean to get caught in the act, which was certainly just as true. A few weeks after that, my daughter lost yet another tooth, and the next morning she found a small white envelope under her pillow. It contained an exorbitant amount of compensation for that damned tiny tooth of hers, more than she had ever asked for previously. There was a short note folded between the eight crisp $1 bills, but this time the note was not from Nikita. It was from us. Dear Sivaka, you, you deserve this $8, $8 and, a and a chance to use it. You have, you have shown, shown how mature, mature you've gotten. gotten. Remember this, though. Just because the Tooth Fairy doesn't exist, doesn't mean there isn't magic in the world. Love, Mama and Papa. Our daughter slowly made her way through the short letter. She read it on her own this time, silently sounding out the words as she read. When she was done, she looked up at both of us, a slight frown on her perfect face. I don't want this. I want a letter from Nikita. And the next morning, 
That's what she got. Dear Sivica, it's okay to dream and get lost in your imagination. You are such a passionate and wonderful girl. I'm so thankful to be your tooth fairy. You take care, my dear. I will always be here for you when you need me. Love, Nikita. I'm not sure if conjuring Nikita into our daughter's world was a right or wrong move. As much as she felt betrayed by our well-meaning deceptions, she also seemed to crave them just as much. One thing I do know, though, is that for us parents at least, not everything our kids want is what we need, and not everything we need is what our kids want. Sometimes, though, when the magic in the world is balanced just right, we all manage to meet somewhere in the happy middle. And that's where Nikita lives now, patiently waiting, because sooner or later, she'll come back around for our son's teeth, and her story will come alive yet again. Remember, Nurse Papa is also a book. Within it, you'll find stories that might just change how you look at life and, indeed, parenting. Nurse Papa has been my labor of love, but it offers much more than my own perspective. You'll learn from the voices of seasoned nurses, some of my young patients, and these patients' parents, each adding their own personal perspective about love, life, death, and learning. Nurse Papa is now available for purchase on Amazon and other bookseller sites. Please consider picking up a copy and, when you're done, leaving a public review on Amazon, Goodreads, or anywhere else where people go to find meaningful books. Thank you so much for your support, and stay tuned for the next episode of the Nurse Papa Podcast. Thank you.